Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. Now I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as we get a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Jeff. The podcast tonight is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. That's 301 South Main Street, Suite 107. That's Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. Uh, J- oh, I see Hank here now. Hank, Hank looks like he's joining us. Can you hear it? Can you hear us, Hank? Is this thing on? This thing is on. Man, <laughs> I was about ready. Clear. I was about ready to introduce you here. So let me you tell you. Challenge me with this technology. My goodness. <laughs> That's right. Let me say this again here just before we before we get to your introduction, Hank. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. Their address is 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. We have a special guest tonight on the podcast joining us this week for his return visit. This is the second time he's been with us this year, and he usually comes on before the start of the season, he usually comes on right before the holiday season begins. And we're in the holiday season now. Joining us tonight is... Associated Press Sports Writer for the State of Virginia, Hank Kurtz Jr. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Hank Kurtz. That's at H-A-N-K-K-U-R-Z-J-R. Hank, welcome back, man. We're happy to have you on the podcast. For our we got we got new listeners coming here all the time. And so, man, tell us about yourself, what sports you cover, where you went to school, you know, your Anything you want to drop here and anything that you want to plug, the floor is yours. Hey, guys, it's good to be back. Um, I'm really tall, um, six foot six. Um, <laughs> I went to Ohio University uh, because they had a late journalism deadline for applying. Um, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. Um, I started out in New York. Um, did that for 11, 11 plus years and then came to Virginia, um, where the first question I was asked was, what's a hokey? And, um, yeah, it's just fun. It's, you know, it's been a good ride. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, man. So let's, let's get to the hot topics here, Hank, because I'm sure you're going to have some, a lot of stories about this because you, you, you've covered Virginia sports for a long time, and there we have, you know, as you know, we got a lot of hot topics we're going to talk about tonight. Two-part two part question here. I mean, when did you know that it was going to be the end for Justin Fuente? Like, how, how did you feel that that end was coming this season? I mean, because a lot of us knew that this was an important year but for him prior to this season beginning. And then your thoughts on the new Virginia Tech Head football coach Brent Pry. The full- well, it was um, it was really unusual because Hokie fans are so loyal. But early in the season, 
they were starting to boo Fuente. Like, Enter Sandman is like this iconic thing, right? And they would boo Fuente instead of, like, cheering Enter Sandman. And, you know, that just seemed to be a bad sign. And if you're Whit Babcock or a booster or anybody else and you hear that, you can't help but notice that. And um, I don't know. I think Justin's a really good coach. I just don't know that the Blacksburg thing was a fit. Blacksburg's a really unique place. And it's tied to the community is very strong. I've always said that, you know, if that massacre that happened there had happened anywhere else, it would not have been as binding to the community as it was in Blacksburg. And I think, you know, between the way last year went with COVID and the fact that they had such problem with that and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I think Justin was kind of done. And I was, I was shocked when he said he was done two days, two games before the season was over. But um, I wasn't shocked that, you know, this year marked the end of his time. As far as Brent Pry, and I want to call him Fry so bad. Um, I think he's, going to be great um you know i think jc price's time as the interim coach taught wit and other people that um a connection to this community to this program to the Hokies, to whatever it re represents um matters a great deal and jc is passionate 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 about all that and you know i think the the way the team responded at Virginia, um, you know, just, the, I don't know, just the, the passion he brings to it, the importance he brings to it. He understands that more than someone who's an outsider can understand that. And I think Brent is the same. You know, I think, you know, I was at the press conference when they introduced him and um, his reverence for Frank Beamer, for Bud Foster, who gave him a chance as a graduate assistant. Um, they went to three bowl games in a row. They went to the 1995 Sugar Bowl, which for a long time, if not still, is the biggest win in program history. Um, and he was there for that. And um, I think the connection in Blacksburg and Christiansburg to the program is huge. And I think Brent brings that. And I think it was a great hire. Very I'd love to get a job making $4 million a year, having never done the job, but, um, you know, <laughs> that's the cost of doing business these days. Yeah. I was going to say, wouldn't we all, wouldn't we all, that's a great take though. I mean, I, I'm glad you mentioned that on, on, I mean, it's the familiarity with the culture I think that's a really good point, you know. And well, what's so funny, Matthew, is he's never he's never done Enter Sandman. He's never, you know, he's gone through the tunnel, but he's never done it through for Enter Sandman. Like, so a YouTube video that's going to be made of every entrance that's that ever happens. He's, you know, when he's he's a jacked up guy. He's emotional. He got choked up talking about his relationship with James Franklin. He got choked up talking about what Frank and Bud meant to him early in his career. This is a guy who's very emotional, and I think that works in Blacksburg. I really do. Absolutely, absolutely. Jeff, you're up, man. All right, thanks, Matthew. 
<clears throat> All right, Hank, we have a two-part question here on Virginia. Uh, one, did the Bronco Mendenhall resignation catch you off guard? Um, and what's next for the Who's as far as, um, you know, the football coach is concerned? How are you feeling about Coach uh, Pry as he steps in? Or, sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I was thinking Virginia Tech for some reason. I apologize on that. I know with the with the Who's, uh, Tony Elliott's name has popped in there and um, he's interviewing. He might be the inter, you know, also interviewing for the Duke position. We hear. Uh, so, I'd like your thoughts on that? Well, so Broncos' resignation didn't catch me by surprise at all. I knew it was going to happen. Kidding. No idea. That was crazy. Um, um, and you know, I, I've I've talked to so many people about that, and I think there's more to be told. Bronco is a deep, deep thinker. And Bronco talks about um, developing people, not just football players. And um, that's, that's been his persona the whole time he's been at Virginia. And I don't know, there, there's something about a, a sudden departure that seems to scream something in the background. And I'm not sure if that's like he was suggested to change some coaches. And, you know, I don't know. Or maybe it's just Bronco just being Bronco. You know, he's an interesting character. I mean, who has 200 books in their office and and ranks them by 1 to 200 based on how much you got from them? Um, that's Bronco. But, um, you know, the, the whole idea of who do you replace him with? Um, I think Bronco did a lot to every coach that's come to Virginia since George Wells has talked about changing the culture and I'll grow got kids to stop wearing ties and come to games and t-shirts and, and whatever. And, you know, um, every coach has tried to do something along those lines to make it more of a football school, but they only had 46,000 people for the Virginia tech game. And, you know, that's, you know, I joked early in the year that Virginia tech played North Carolina in its opener and Virginia's first two openers didn't draw as many fans as the Hokies drew for that game. And, you know, I think it's, I think that's frustrating. I don't think that's what made Bronco leave. Um, you know, I think it's perfectly, perfectly conceivable that Bronco just said, you know what, 31 years, my wife's been doing this for 25. I need to spend time with her. My kids are all gone. Perfectly conceivable, but, um, you know, and Virginia is a very insular place. Um, not a lot gets out that they don't want to get out. Um, but, you know, there's also the possibility that suggestions about uh, assistant changes and stuff like that prompted this decision. As far as the replacement, <clears throat> Tony Elliott, you know, sure. Um, Anthony Poindexter's name comes up. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's at Penn State where, how ironic would this be? He's at Penn State where Brent Fry was, or Brent Pry was. Um, how ironic would that be? Um, you know, and there's, they've done a really good job. Bronco did a really good job of bringing former players back into the fold to kind of highlight the, 
the desire for the program to grow. Like, so Clint Sintem is a coach and um, uh, Marcus Hagens is a coach. And, um, you know, they have all these guys. Chris Peace is a graduate assistant. They have all these guys that have been there in the successful days and or the ascending days. And, you know, so it's interesting how many people there are. But, you know, let's say uh, Carla Williams decided that you need to change coaches, Bronco balked and left. I don't think Carla is the kind of person that doesn't do that without a name in her pocket. And so it's been suggested to me that it might be a quick thing because, you know, Virginia with all these coaching openings, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and, you know, all these places that are high profile places, Virginia's not anywhere near the top of the list of places you want to go. So I got to imagine that Carla being pretty sharp um, has somebody in mind. Um, if it, you know, if, if, if Bronco was to leave and, I don't know who that is, but I got to imagine that that's the case. And, you know, I've been told it's going to be fast. So maybe Monday they'll have a coach. You know, I don't know. It's, um, you know, it's, it, it's a really odd situation. The timing is horrible. Um, Bronco did a teleconference with us when he announced his decision. And it's like he said that this is so... Um, we can get this out of the way and concentrate on a bowl game. It's like, dude, you're leaving. Um, we're not going to concentrate on a bowl game. And your players might not either because, you know, what happens with, you know, the, they'll have one of the best receiving cores in the country next year. And they could have Brennan Armstrong. But what if one of those, two of those, three of those guys decide to leave because of what Bronco did? You know, it's a it's a wild, wide open situation there, and their next hire needs to be is really important. All right, really good comments uh, there, Hank. Um, let's look to another program, and that we just mentioned that's also looking for a football coach. You know, Duke's is going to be hiring their new coach. Who do you tap if if you're Duke? Boy, that's a hard one because. You know, in my lifetime or in my time in Virginia covering ACC sports, two coaches have succeeded there, Steve Spurrier and, and David Cutcliffe. And David Cutcliffe, uh, much like what UVA would want all of its coaches to be, um, kind of embodied everything that is Duke. And offensive genius, like, like I think Virginia fans would be thrilled, Virginia Tech fans too, if he was hired as offensive coordinator. You know, I don't know if he's done with coaching, um, but the dude is, he's brilliant. And um, he embodies what these schools purport to want to embody. So, um, I, you know, I don't know what his future is. I don't know if he's going to be happy to, you know, do whatever, but um, – that's a hard job to fill because, you know, much like Virginia, the students don't, it's a basketball school and um, they have a cement stadium and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get people to want to come there, but they've had great success under Cutcliffe. I mean, Daniel Jones was a first round draft choice. 
Um, you know, he's, he did really well. And, you know, it, I, I, I think there's times when, and this may be for him, um, when you feel like your voice is starting to get ignored, or maybe you've said the same things for too long and people don't hear it anymore. But he was a brilliant coach, did great things at Duke. And I don't know if there's an assistant he had that, you know, can bring the same dynamic. Um, but that's going to be a really important hire for them because, you know, they could go back to being the bottom feeders in the ACC really quickly if they don't have somebody who comes in who does some innovative stuff and, um, you know, just kind of uh, makes them a little different. I'd like to do a follow-up there question uh, question there, Jeff and Hank. So, Hank, what would you think about somebody like Mike Houston coming in from East Carolina who's already in the state of North Carolina, and you know him from the jam? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to think of a guy like that because at JMU he had top-notch players. You know, you have a running back that can go for 150 every game. You have a quarterback that can, th- you know, whatever. Um, you have really skilled players who may not be um, – F- and I always screw this up – FBS players, but they're really good at the FCS level. Um, and Mike did great with those there. He's done really well at East Carolina. Um, if you're willing to – make a bold change in the way you do offense, um, you know, he'd be a great fit. I mean, Paul Johnson had great success for many, many years in the ACC, and people were trying to figure that out. And you know what? When you play a system once a year and you have a week to prepare for it, that's not easy. And so they, you know, they'd rush for 400 yards against somebody who had a really good defense because – that's what they did. And um, so it'll be interesting to see um, if they go after a guy like that who's innovative and different or if they go after a guy who, um, you know, who plays a more traditional style um, and, you know, can, can accept. The biggest thing for Duke, much like Virginia, I think, is the – ability to accept that you're not going to be able to recruit every kid. If a kid's, you know, um, not the sharpest knife in the drawer, he might not be somebody that's, you know, that's acceptable to you. And, you know, in, in some instances, the provost, the, the, um, the department that decides whether you can come there or not, um, I, I don't know what that's called, but, you know, sometimes they may say, no, we're not going to have you. Um, I know that, like, when Virginia recruited Morgan Moses, the the story was that his SAT scores were not acceptable, and somehow he got in, and, you know, he's he did great. He graduated. He's been a pro for many, many years, but... A lot of places, you know, all it takes is one person to say no. And, um, you know, I have friends in coaching that have coached at places where they taught classes and the classes were audited by the provost or whatever, thinking that you're going to 
show me that anti provo anti sports provost, you're going to show me that um, you're full of crap and you're just you know giving kids credit and whatever. And you know, I, I know one coach who who taught a class at one school, and when he was audited, he was passed. You know, they they said, okay, this is a legit school. And the next semester, he was teaching it at the competing school. And, you know, so management, all that stuff is is totally different. And at a place like Duke, at a place like Virginia, you don't just let anybody take over. All right, Hank, what is going on at Miami? Um I, I gotta, I, I gotta tell you, I think Miami's doing uh, Manny Diaz kind of dirty here. Uh, from all reports, they've they've got Mario Cristobal down at uh, Oregon. It's rumored they're kind of waiting on his decision, but they won't let Diaz go. And if Cristobal turns them down, they're going to retain Manny Diaz. And it's just, it's a mess. I have to say, it looks like there's a mess going on with Miami. And uh, what, what what what's what's going on down there, in your opinion? So I have a Fitbit. And it tells me how many steps I get during the day and how I slept at night. And some people say I'm obsessed with reading my sleep score in the morning. Um, I can't imagine what Manny Diaz's sleep score is. Um, I, you, know, um, I, you know, I was talking to Matthew earlier, and I think um, Virginia Tech and Miami, Virginia Tech because of its history, Miami because of its talent pool, um, are artificially overrated routinely. And, um, and you know, um, you know, we think back to like the mid-80s when Miami was King Vitamin, right? Um, Manny Diaz and the Hurricanes had a pretty nice second half of the year. And they actually kind of lived up to what... Um, you know, what was expected of them. And granted, you don't want that to be year four or whatever it is for Manny, but um, I can't imagine having a job knowing that somebody was being courted to take your job and they even haven't even had the, I don't know, decency to fire you. Um, I don't know if they want him to quit, I don't know what the deal is there, but um, I can't imagine. Um, I thought Miami acquitted itself well at the second half of the season. Um, and, you know, maybe that should have bought Manny another year. Um, but this whole Mario Cristobal and all that stuff, it's like, how embarrassing. Like, to do that in public when your guy is, your coach is still technically employed. Um, I don't know. I, I think it just speaks to maybe why Miami has not dominated the ACC like a lot of people thought they might when they joined. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, next question here, Hank. We're going to call this our ACC lightning round, where we're going to get your your short, quick answers on uh, you know, four hot button questions. First one: Who wins? the college football playoff semifinals that were announced today? Um, sadly, Alabama. And 
I would love to say Michigan, but that's so hard to think. <clears throat> um, but I'm going to say it anyway, Alabama and Michigan. I, I think that's definitely very, very fair. I, I, don't, I don't, I think people are really selling this Michigan team uh, short. And I, I think you can argue over the last three or four weeks, uh, there's no one playing more consistent, better football in, in, uh, college football right now than than Michigan. I know Alabama was great yesterday, but I mean they were 90 seconds from losing to a a six win um, Auburn team the previous week. I mean right. they, they they were beat in that game, um, and you know on that same day, Michigan is uh, you know manhandling Ohio State. Then they play Iowa yesterday, um, maybe not an elite team, but a very good one, and just you know basically ran them out of the stadium. So. Uh, there's a lot of people selling Michigan State, or not sorry, Michigan State, Michigan short in this game, and we've seen Georgia against the two of the better defenses that they played this year. When they played Clemson, they didn't have an offensive touchdown, and then against Alabama, who doesn't have an elite defense but a good one, and um, Stetson Bennett struggled in that game, threw for a lot of yardage, but they couldn't move the ball consistently. And I think Michigan's better defensively than Alabama, maybe not as good as. Uh, Clemson at the beginning of the year, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's a good pick. I think people are selling Michigan short on there. Well, yeah, and you know what, Jeff, um, Ohio State was like an ABA team, you know, in the old basketball league. They scored 147 points a game, and yep. you know, went crazy. And Michigan shut them down. You know, and everyone focused on Harbaugh and finally beating them and all that stuff, but you know, the whole team did it. And that was pretty impressive. Yeah, a- absolutely. Ohio State's a better offensive team than than Georgia, and you're and you're right. The Wolverines, uh, you know, shut that offense down. Um, so that leaves us with Alabama and Michigan. Who do you think wins the national title out of those two? Um, boy, it's it's so hard to vote against Alabama. I mean. You know, they've been there so many times. All the kids on the team have played in one of those. Um, You know, it would be lovely for Michigan to rise up and do that. Um, But that's a a big ask. You know, winning a semifinal game is a big ask when they haven't been in one since, like, what, 2004? Um, That's a big ask. And um, it would be great for college football to have – you know, to have people not be able to say, oh, another college football season, and guess what? Alabama wins the national championship. Um, it would be great. It would be a great story. It would be a great triumph. It would be all that stuff, but it's hard to pick against Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way they the way they played against Georgia, they were they looked fantastic. Had had some up and down a little bit for a Saban team. I mean, still really good, but they were a little up and down. But uh, the way they played against Georgia, it's it's tough to pick against Saban going into the playoffs. He's obviously a you know he's um, he's a remarkable coach. He dances well in that commercial with Deion Sanders, but yeah, he's a remarkable coach. Obviously, and um, you know yeah, it's great to have five star talent everywhere and all that stuff and and all that stuff. But he, from the beginning of the year to the end does with his team what very few coaches can do, which is, you know, make them superior. And they get there, it seems like, every year. 
exactly. And if you saw him at the end of that game against Georgia, I mean, he's still got that competitive fire is burning as hard uh, as much in him as it has at any point in his career. He was he was downright giddy after beating Georgia. I mean, he was really happy about that. And so he, he's just getting ready, I think. So let me ask you this, Jeff. If you got paid $11 million a year, would you be giddy after after a good day? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that 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 helps out a quite a bit. <laughs> you you might be the best head coach of all time. You get paid eleven million dollars, and you don't have any signs of slowing down whatsoever. You're, He's got you're a probably car with up in Birmingham. They sell Mercedes. <laughs> you know, they're not selling they're not selling Kias. They're selling Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so a couple, uh, you know, bowl games here for your teams closer to home. Uh, does Virginia win their bowl game versus SMU? Um, you know, it, it it's hard to bet against Brent on, or uh, Brennan Armstrong. Um, the kid is incredible. Um, he's, you know, I've, I've equated him to Brett Favre numerous times, and. You know, when you're a quarterback and you think you can hit a shoebox 50 yards down the field, and you do, um, more often than not, um, that's Brent Armstrong or Brennan Armstrong. And um, he's been uncanny in his ability to do that. And Virginia's got really good receivers. They were terrible against Tech, lots of drop passes, all that stuff. But um, he's remarkable. And there was a play, his his season in a microcosm was probably a scramble for a touchdown against the Hokies where um, three Hokie defenders met him at the one-yard line, two guys head-on and one guy on the side, and he left all three of them on the ground while he walked into the end zone. The kid's amazing, and you know I know Virginia fans are probably panicked that he might leave because – Bronco left and whatever, you know, he might go someplace where he's more likely to win the Heisman trophy or whatever, but that kid is amazing and they have great receivers. And if they can keep all of that together, whoever comes in there and becomes the coach is going to have um, just a great situation in the passing game. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, now the other the other Virginia team there in the ACC does Virginia Tech win its bowl game versus Maryland? Um, you know it's funny. I think Virginia Tech, with Babcock, all the people there, learned a really really valuable lesson watching the last two games of the regular season with J.C. Price as coach. Um, JC doesn't pretend to be the head coach, doesn't pretend to be head coach material, but he certainly doesn't have to pretend to be a Virginia Tech guy through and through. And, you know, I think when he talked to the kids about the Virginia game and how important it is and all that stuff, they played with more passion in that game than they probably have in a long time. And... Um, so, I don't know. I think the love for J.C. is really, really good. You know, he's been there. He's been a coach all year, but now he's the coach for the whole thing. And um, I think they do because I think the kids want to play for him. 
and the kids, obviously there's a new coach. Um, you know, some coaches love to watch film of previous years. Some don't cause they don't want to get, uh, preconceived notions. But, um, if you feel like the new coach is watching you and you're a sophomore and you want to make sure you make a good impression, um, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that do that. And, um, so I, you know, if I was a betting man and I'm not, um, I would bet on the Hokies. I, you know, I think they're, um, I think they've been reinvigorated by JC Price taking over as coach. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we close out the podcast. Oh, is he still here? I thought he fell asleep. so open microphone time what do you got oh my goodness this you know it's it's a crazy time in college sports you know i mean mark turgeon leaving in the middle of a season justin fuente leaving because he was going to get fired and um you know not retained whatever and you know how nice would it be to turn to to go from negotiating a ten million dollar buyout to an eight point seven five million dollar buyout to not coach two weeks? Um, I don't I don't really have that option in my job. Um, but Mark Turgeon, I think, has been a good good coach for Maryland. Um, you know, guys just leaving, um, guys getting fired. Um, Ed Orgeron being told middle of the season he's going to get $17 million to not coach LSU. And then they hire a guy and they pay him $95 million for 10 years. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I deal with people in my personal life that are like, oh, my gosh, like, why does this matter? And, you know, I object to that because there's lots of people that make money off a of college football Saturday, off a, of, you know, whether it's tailgating or, you know, radio or, you know, whatever they do, but the money is out of control. You know, it's like um, Brent Pry is going to make $4 million a year his first year as a coach, as first year ever as a head coach. And, you know, I think he's going to be fine. You know, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to energize the quote, quote, hokey nation and all that stuff. But that's an awful lot of money to pay somebody who's never done it before. And um, that's just the going rate, I guess. And in a season like this where in an off season like this, where there's so many high profile jobs, um, you know, that's just remarkable. And um, I went into the wrong profession. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, you know, it's I never I never complain about the money. I mean, Nick Saban making whatever he makes is insane. But, you know what, winning all these national championships um, kind of pays for itself in terms of publicity and all that stuff. And, you know, so he's not the only one that benefits. And I just think it's remarkable that um, the profession, professions, basketball, football, all those have become so um, tied to results. Um, 
You know, Bronco talked endlessly about developing people, not just football players. And, you know, if it turns out that he was, um, he left because of something other than his own mental um, desire to move on and, you know, be something else, um, you know, it's, I don't know. There, there, there's a sadness there because I think there are coaches that really, really um, mean what they say when they're trying to talk about kids. It's like basketball. Coaches talk about when they get hired, they want to rebound and defend. And so many don't. And so many pay no attention to that. When Buzz Williams was, was at Virginia, he made a big video that went viral about bringing in all these veterans in their uniforms and this is how my kids are going to do the national anthem. Well, I went to many, many Virginia tech games and the kids didn't do any of what was in that video. You know, they stood with their hands at their sides and you know, all that stuff. But um, there's so much, there's so much stature status. Um, so much, um, falseness with some of this and um i don't know it's been a weird two years the pandemic was was and is um just a remarkable remarkable time in american history and certainly in sports um you know i'm not sure that if i was a coach i would have felt comfortable um, with all that stuff but um the money's crazy. The expectations are crazy. Um, it would be nice to be Nick Saban and just be locked in and think you're comfortable and everything's going to be hunky-dory for years and years. Amen, amen, Hank. Uh, Jeff, buddy, I have a feeling I know what you want to talk about. Yeah, right. As we were having the podcast, it, be, it became official. Brent Venables, defensive coordinator at Clemson, is, is moving on to Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, I think that was the only job that Venables would have probably would have left uh, Clemson for one of the one of the few, very, very few. And um, yeah, I think. He, he he came from there prior to to joining Dabo at Clemson, and you know his his impact on on Clemson's run over the last few years and even this year, uh, because that defense kept that team together, especially uh, through the first half of the season and and a little bit of the second. Absolutely, um, when that when the offense really struggled, uh, and it wasn't until the last month of the season that Clemson's offense finally got going. But that that held that team together. So, um, you know, Brent Menables is on. It's a lot of transition going on potentially at Clemson. Uh, rumors that Dan Radakovich could go to Miami. Uh, Tony Elliott could end up in a position like we talked earlier at Duke or, or Virginia. And Venables moving on. But, you know, one thing, um, you know, the, the success that Clemson had, uh, you know, for, for a brief couple of years there, they they were on par with Alabama and you know, we talked about Saban here a little bit. You know, during this run since 2009, where he's won all these national titles, and he's probably going to win three or four more before he he retires. Um, 
you know, that Clemson was able to, for a brief time, be a program right there with them. I mean, it, it's almost unsustainable to, to maintain that level of what Alabama can do. So, you know, the, the loss of Venables is, is going to hurt. Um, <laughs> and then they've got to have to find a replacement um, something they'll hire within the program. Ven- or Sweeney is, is kind of big on that. He, he could look outside, but I, th- I think the odds-on favorite is he hires within the, the program. But I, I don't think Clemson's going to quite go away. I mean, they might not quite be there in the national championship uh, every single year the way they had been prior to this year, the, the previous several years. Um, but they're going to recruit at an extremely high level. Uh, you know, now they have their, you know, those national champions, recent national championship trophies to still display. Um, Dabo has proven over the course of his career that he knows, you know, the right type of assistance to to form his staff with. Uh, I, I, you're going to see Clemson in the playoffs multiple times over the next few years. Uh, they, they might not always be a national championship contender. You know, you, you don't just replace Venables, who was one of the arguably the best defensive coordinator in college football. Maybe not even arguably. I think it was pretty much hands down the best coordinator. But but Clemson is still going to be very, very good. So, uh, you know, I, I saw some tweets on already like, oh, thank goodness Clemson's, you know, they're not going to be like, no, they're, they're going to be still very, very good. <laughs> Well, is there any doubt that um, <clears throat> it's kind of funny that Oklahoma is hiring a defensive coach when they've had two Heisman Trophy quarterbacks um, in the last couple of years? And, you know, defense has been their bugaboo when they get into big games. And, you know, so it's interesting. And <clears throat> But Dabo, um, I forget his first name, but that dude Morris that was their offensive coordinator, Chad Morris? Yeah, Chad Morris. He's gone on, and he's not done great. Um, you know, and the quarterback, whose name I can't pronounce. Um, Louis Angalale? Is there, is there no doubt that he'll be better next year? I mean, he was anointed as God's gift to quarterbacks this year, but that didn't turn out. But is there any doubt he won't be better next year? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you could see by the end of the year – you know, those last two or three games, he, he was considerably better than what he was earlier in the year. I mean, was he Trevor Lawrence? Uh, no, he, you know, he hadn't he wasn't at that level, you know, by any stretch. But he had definitely improved um, by the end of the year where it wasn't, you know, in a complete adventure on offense for Clemson. I mean, right, they, right. yeah. So, you know, I don't know. They, they get. You know, it's kind of like the kid at Duke who sits on the bench in basketball because there's eight McDonald's All-Americans be ahead of him. And he's a McDonald's All-American, but he sits. And if he went to Virginia, if he went to Tech, he went to Georgia Tech, he went anywhere else, he'd probably play big minutes. And, you know, that's just what Clemson has. And... Um, preseason this year, Virginia Tech had a kid who transferred from Clemson, Jordan Williams, who was a defensive lineman who played very sparingly in at Clemson. And they talked about him like he was Bruce Smith, you know, because he came from Clemson. And he had a good year, um, but he wasn't Bruce Smith. And, you know, it's 
these programs um, get to a point where kids beg to come there. And, um, you know, Dabo is, by all accounts, a decent guy. He's somebody who talks frankly. He talks... Um, he, he talks in a way that if you were a parent, you would want your kid to be influenced by him. And, you know, you know, I've been covering sports for 35 years, and I, I'm not afraid to say that I've met coaches that I would want my kids to play for, and I've met coaches that I would want, want my kids to live with, you know, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hold on a second, man. Uh, didn't you want to talk about Georgia's inclusion in the college football playoff? That's what I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I kind of went on a Twitter rant yesterday about, um, you know, Georgia after that game. I mean, my biggest issue here, it, it's not that Georgia may not be one of the, the four best, you know, the four teams in the playoffs, but what, what really bothers me is how they're they're not held just because of conference affiliation they're not held to the same standard as, as past teams with similar resumes i mean if you look at georgia's um you know resume they didn't have a top 15 t- win the entire season they didn't win their conference and they got blown out in their conference championship game now if you did put that team with a similar resume from the big 10 pac 12 or ACC, their question, their schedule, you know, is getting ripped to pieces, and they're probably getting left out. At the very least, they're dropping to number four and having to face Alabama in the first round. And I know out Georgia was dominant on, you know, they were dominant on defense, and and they look like the nation's number one team through most of the year. But they, I mean, when they when they when they played the best team on their schedule. They got woofed by Alabama, and and what bothers me is there was no debate that they belonged. When I really think there should have been a, a serious one about whether they really, you know, based on their resume. I mean, it's the standard that they've been holding on for other teams all through the past years. I mean, you look at Baylor. Baylor, yes, they had an unranked loss to TCU, but they also won their conference, had three top fifteen wins. And didn't even sniff the playoffs. I, I thought at the very least Baylor was going to be ranked fifth. Uh, I, I think you could make an argument for them have even getting included, and they were number seven. So, I mean, my biggest issue is not necessarily Georgia's inclusion in the playoff. It's that we, we've got different standards going on, you know, every year, even though the resumes say they should be judged equally. That they're, they're using this eye test thing and what they recruiting ran. I don't know what they're doing to to base some of this on. I'm really I ready agree. for the. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really ready for the playoffs to expand, because, you know, I'm I'm really my 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 top choice of a postseason is really the the bowls with a plus one system, which I know we'll never get, but I'm I'm coming around on on the playoff expansion, because at, at least what would have occurred yesterday is with Georgia losing that game is they would have been forced to play three playoff games rather than Alabama's two. They, they almost had no penalty for losing that game whatsoever yesterday. And in an expanded um, playoff system, at least their path becomes a lot more difficult because they have to play more games. And then, you know, a team like Baylor gets included. And then you have 
Wake Forest and Pitt yesterday. You know, are either one of those teams going to win the national championship? Probably not. But you create so much interest in that game, which was still two, you know, top 16 teams playing. And the winner of that game, Pitt, now ranked 12, would have had their shot. And who knows, when you have a quarterback like Kenny Pickett, you might be able to score a couple of upsets in the in the playoffs. So, yeah, it was just – I'm kind of ready for it to expand. You know, wasn't a big fan of, of how Georgia was just shoehorned in there without any debate whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, let's just get this expanded and move on from the system. <laughs> well, what if Georgia hadn't played Alabama in September? Who would have won? Yeah. <sighs> You know, I I saw you know when Georgia played Clemson in September, you know that you know they really struggled with them. I don't know. I don't know. I think, um, you know, because I thought going into the game, I I thought Georgia was going to beat Alabama, considering the way it, the way they played, um, you know, from the week before. Right. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if if I would have. Uh, if they would have beaten them if they played earlier in the year, because Alabama just turned it around so fast that the team that, that Alabama played at Auburn was the team who I thought they were. I mean, that was a team that lost to Texas A&M when they were unranked, struggled with, with Florida, <coughs> then struggled with Auburn. And then, you know, Saban just does his thing when the postseason comes and they, they went bananas and yeah. Yeah. I have a tough, I, I'm not sure about that one, Hank. That's a good question. You know, it's it's remarkable how every year, um, and, you know, this is why he makes $11 million a year or whatever. Um, I don't know what he makes, but something like that. Um, by the end of the year, even with a freshman quarterback or a redshirt freshman quarterback, they're a different team. And, you know, we, we talk all the time about if you were a, a freshman – you're not a freshman anymore at the end of the year. Those kids are definitely not freshmen anymore at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. You know, and and you know, I don't know what it is. I mean, my kids lived in Birmingham for a while, and if you were there on a football Saturday, that would be the day to rob a bank because no one no one is in town. No one. Everyone's home watching football. And, um, you know, it's almost like tumbleweed blowing through the city. And, and that's a, an hour away. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's different down there. And obviously when you have the success they've had and you sit in somebody's living room, um, George Welsh told me years and years ago that every kid I recruit, his family thinks he's going to the NFL. And um, most of them are not. Um, most of them are really, really good. You know, I, I covered the top 100 NBA camp many, many years. And um, people told me that there was a kid from Arkansas or from Alabama or from wherever who was the top point guard wherever he came from. And he dominated everybody. And when you put him in a room with a hundred kids as good as him, the phantom hamstrings and all that stuff were rampant because suddenly I'm not top dog. I'm suddenly I'm not dominating. Suddenly I'm not the best kid on the court. 
And, you know, the, the mentality of athletes um, and the mentality of Alabama athletes versus Georgia athletes versus Virginia athletes is entirely different because there's a history that you carry with you that um, matters and um, can, can direct everything you think. And, you know, you can think you're the best because you're at Alabama and this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's not so much pressure as it is confidence. You know, I'm at Alabama. I'm the best. Period. Amen, man. Amen. So here's what I'll, uh, here's what I'll use as my open microphone topic here. Um, I did post a blog post today at allsportsdiscussion.com just put we put out some resources for donating to food bank food banks i think we've got we've got every acc school represented on the site for places where you can donate donate money donate money to uh, people in, t- in their time of need during the holiday during you know during and really all year round but particularly particularly now it's always important they're trying to get money towards the end of the year and there's a lot of food insecurity in the united states and if you have an opportunity to donate you know we've got links around for each of each of those areas so that's 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 uh, that's it for me uh hank thanks so much for joining us on the all sports discussion acc podcast we loved having you come on the show and we wish you the greatest holiday season and a great new year man Matthew, I appreciate you using your open mic thing to make me feel like a total POS. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When, I, when, when my kids played travel baseball, we did uh, food drives for people, and it was awesome to watch little kids. So if you ever want to do a food drive, make little printouts and have little children eight years old walk up to people walking into a restaurant or, or grocery store and say, we're collecting food for the homeless and, you know, some eight-year-old kid, how do you deny that, right? We did so, so well with that. It was awesome. And I appreciate your your hawking of that. That's awesome. Well, we and, we, and like I said, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking about ACC sports with us and, and, and Virginia sports in particular. And you've been a very big supporter of this site from the very, very beginning. And, and again, we appreciate it. Have a great holiday season and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, Hank. You too. Let's meet at a VCU game again soon. That sounds great, man. That sounds great. All right. Or Virginia Tech. Or Virginia Tech. That would work too. Okay. Very good, sir. Take care. Have a great holiday season. Thank you guys. Have a great holiday. You guys take care.